Get inspired every Monday and Friday right here on your favorite inspirational show, Morning Inspirational Radio Show, hosted by Dow Tone, the producer. Bring in that gospel flavor, old school, new school, holy hip-hop, and don't forget about that Friday praise break. Get inspired through encouraging words, special guests, and the inspirational moment where you, the listener, get a chance to be on air. So tune in Monday and Friday, 9 a.m., 10 o'clock Eastern, Morning Inspirational Radio Show. Log on to Morning Inspirational Radio Show. We're online 24-7. You're listening to the hottest radio station on the planet. Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. Uh, can you tell me a little bit how that process went uh, with you all there being able to come home under the CARES Act? Incarcerated Mothers Matter Radio Show. We're online 24-7. You're listening to the hottest radio station on the planet. You know, been a while. But um, I know they, you know, offered like the parenting classes and, you know, some other things that, you know, also taught you, you know, how to address different subjects, you know, to the children. Love Talk Radio. Welcome live on Tribe Family Channel, Incarcerated Mothers Matter, season finale, hosted by Daphne Patterson. We're so thankful and grateful for launching the Tribe Family Channel, a Gumbo for the Soul international family brand. We want to call your attention to Gumbo for the Soul Incarcerated Mothers Matters 2. Due out December 1st, 2022. This anthology is in association with Daphne Patterson and Tribe Family Channel. We invite your participation. This is a clarion call to action by way of a call for submissions from all of the community. Share your stories, poetry, business ads, and nonprofit information. Visit Gumble for the Soul International.com for more information and please enjoy this season finale of Incarcerated Mothers Matter with Daphne Patterson. Good evening, everyone. It is April the 29th, 2022. Can you believe it? Another month has just about gone by us. And this is our eighth show. And we have been able to gather so much information and have so many guests on. And we have so many more guests to come. I am your host. Uh, Daphne Patterson, and tonight we have an awesome show for you tonight. Um, we um, have uh, my co-host on with me tonight. How are you, Marva? Are you on, Marva? Marva. Yeah. I'm on. Okay, That's how nice. are you tonight? I'm fine. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Okay, great, because I've been on since 7.58. I'm sorry, maybe some 
interruption going on, a disconnection going on. But I'm going. I am doing great tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I was a minute late because I was responding um, to some emails um, from some people that I had got from Core Links, and I always try to um, make sure that, you know, I get the responses back to them because, you know, it's nothing like uh, receiving, um, you know, emails. Uh, I have some that I do, uh, you know, just write encouraging words to let me know about, you know, different things that are going on, any way I can help out. Um, you know, sometimes I do a little legal research for them. You know, they'll ask about different court cases and things that are, you know, going on and pending laws that, you know, they're hearing about that other people um, are using, you know, to get sentence reduction. So uh, I was answering a couple of those, and, you know, your time sometimes get, get besides you, you know, when you, you're doing your answers back. And, um my phone dinged and it was it was our guest for tonight and she said she was online. I said, uh oh, let me hurry up and send this message back so I can get online. So okay. uh, we're gonna have just a, another marvelous show tonight. And um, yeah. this young lady um, is an advocate, and I ended up uh, meeting her uh, through one of the Facebook groups I had joined. Um, in doing research for uh, Incarcerated Mothers Matter, I was trying to, you know, connect with some ladies, um, you know, that had similar situations, you know, like ours, and, you know, just trying to connect, trying to get more information so we could, you know, create even a stronger community where we could share resources with other people and they would be able to share resources with us. So I was so fortunate and able to um, meet with Miss um, Marsha King, and okay. um, we um, talk at first online, you know, online first, and um, then we scheduled a Zoom meeting. And when we scheduled the Zoom meeting, we just had so much in common, and you know, just common goals, and you know, really, really on the same page, you know, about helping people and about you know helping ones that sisters that we left behind and then we got to talking and we knew a lot of the same people and okay. um, it you know it really goes around that you end up you know knowing a lot of the same people when you're out there and you try to be be an advocate and you know getting to know people because you know you have those people are out there and when you reach out to people that are really doing advocacy they really do get back with you and want you to participate you know, in things, and they really do get you, you know, involved because every every hand, every, you know, every share, every like of a post, people don't know that goes a long way when uh, our um, websites and our, our pages can have followers and shares. You know, um, that's a way to, a small way to make, everybody's project successful um you know every time people don't always have money but you know even to share the information you know to uh, do help people promote their things um that helps so much with advertising so we appreciate everyone and i just want to tell everyone that listens to the show uh weekly those that post my um post my um my flyers on the social media, those that share my content, those that go back and share the content that is um, posted afterwards on Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, Apple Music, any of those platforms. I appreciate you all uh, for um, sharing on those platforms as well. Uh, I really like to thank Gumbo for <clears throat> The Soul and um, the Tribe Family Channel, they have been like my number one support and I, I just love working with them and we just have a long lasting relationship um, and a great relationship to come. Uh, like you heard in the promo, we are working on the uh, anthology that uh, will be coming out on December of 2020. Um, so if anyone also would like to contribute uh, to the anthology. We welcome any types of uh, poetry, any stories, 
um, you know, artwork, uh, anyone that would like to be a sponsor uh, in our um, collection, we welcome, we welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, we, we will turn, you know, no one down. So to get back on the subject for tonight, I want to turn it over uh, to uh, Miss Marcia King. I'm going to let her um, tell about herself and uh, get us started with her story. How are you tonight, Miss Marcia? About me, uh, I um, went to prison back in 2015. I was incarcerated in federal prison um, for uh, white collar crime. That's a whole other story. And while I was incarcerated, um, I've always wanted to go into being a federal defense attorney. It was it was funny during my sentencing. wrote um, a letter in regards uh, to an essay that I wrote about uh, becoming a constitutional attorney because a lot of uh, people that actually go to trial never get effective assistance of counsel. So I ended up getting my own firsthand experience. Uh, I was sentenced to 100 months for 14 counts of aggravated identity theft and two counts of government money. And through my experience through the federal system, from pretrial, trial, sentencing, appeal, then uh, also my 2255, one major thing that uh, I saw is a lot of people think that if you go to the feds and through the federal system, you're guilty. Um, they have, uh, you know, sufficient evidence for your conviction. And I found that that wasn't true. One major issue that I found was that a lot of defendants that go through the federal system also doesn't get um, access to a fair trial, fair hearing, effective assistance of counsel, and really understand their rights. And that doesn't just extend to people that actually um, get a court-appointed attorney. Sometimes that's the case even with obtaining an attorney. So while I was in prison, I decided what I wanted to do was to support those that are adversely affected by the criminal system and third-party advocate. And what third-party advocate is, you basically, um, pre-trial, trial, sentencing, be there to pretty much assist you to make sure you understand what your rights are, and then just to give you guidance as you go through that. Uh, even today on Facebook, I saw a uh, beautiful young lady, uh, mother, that's going through a trial for her uh, son, and she was asking advice about uh, what to do while going through a trial. And I said, there's really a need. You know, the harvest is just plentiful, but the laborers are few. And yeah. then, you know, just when I thought I was walking into my calling, I got out of prison early, uh, June 30, 2022, years early, under the First Step Act, the Compassion Release. And I found out another major issue that most people incarcerated, um, not just women but men as well, is we have a hard time obtaining custody of our children because there is um, a myth that if you go to prison, you lose your rights. And a lot of people just don't, they don't have an idea of what their rights are. So, that's another journey that I've started to embark on just uh, right now because that's something that I'm actually experiencing. And just going through it, one thing I found out, Daphne, I said, you know, prison was a foundation for uh, really helping me to be strong and to face adversities because you face it so much uh, during pretrial and trial and your right. sentencing as well, even sometimes in prison that once you face another situation, once you release that's adverse as well, it's kind of like you're used to it. You almost become right. seal, and it's nothing, it's actually nothing new. So um, while going through my own personal situation with trying to obtain uh, custody, which right now I'm in a joint, legal joint custody agreement, but uh, I've been out for almost two years, and in trying to dissolve the agreement, it's been an uphill battle. And one of the major things that I see that is an issue is coming in the entities like the Garnet Lightum 
And then they also have CASA, which is the Court Appointed Special Advocate. They are court appointed, and sometimes they put a label on you because you're a convicted felon. And they watch a lot of, uh, what's that movie, The Orange is the New Black? And Mm -hmm. they that every person that's been incarcerated is this particular person that you're a bad uh, mother, that you have some type of um, mental health addiction issues. Mm -hmm. And they will make this process as if it's another process. Uh, My process has been conducted more like a termination of parental rights instead of an exchange of custody issue. And I'm a procedure person. I believe that in everything there's always procedure, and that procedure should be followed. So with me uh, believing in that, I ran into a lot of issues uh, with the garden at Lightham, with CASA, because, of course, they take that as uh, you being aggressive. And as women, some, especially most black women, we're always yeah. uh, most times given that label as an angry black woman. And I had to ask her, I said, can you tell me one time I've ever been rude to you or disrespectful? She said, no. So I said, don't miss being firm in asserting my rights as a uh, – Take it as I'm being uh, mean and I'm being rude to you and I'm being aggressive. You know, this is an issue that's concerning my daughter, and I want to understand why this procedure seems to be more of a termination of parental rights than actually an exchange of custody. Um, This is a situation that really could have just been resolved with just simple guardianship. Uh, And I want to... Get the little disclaimer. I'm not giving anyone uh, any legal advice. I'm just right. giving you info on my experience. Right. So, right. As, as I went through my experience, uh, Ms. Patterson, I started doing research on the different laws here in Virginia as far as child custody laws. And in reviewing those child custody laws, I would use that in communicating uh, with the different uh, entities as far as certain things that they were doing as far as uh, home visits. And I said, you know, home visits are for children uh, that have been a ward of the state in the state of Virginia. I said, so there's no home visit warranted unless you know something I don't know. And they said, no, no, she wasn't taken from you. Uh, the state is not involved. I said, so therefore, a home visit is not warranted. And to a lot of listeners, it'd be like it's not a big deal. But the issue is you have to always assert your rights and make sure they're following every step properly. Because the first right. time that you allow them uh, to not follow the proper steps, then they'll start taking you through procedures that's not even part of the actual uh, issue at hand. So I've been very uh, firm as, uh, as in regards to that, and I made it my goal to – I want to start going to um, different um, county prisons before people are sentenced or even just doing workshops to let women or men know that are facing incarceration or could face incarceration to become familiar with their state laws and what their options are. It, I mean, it could be really any adverse uh issue that's dealing uh, with your children, that you may have to put your children in the custody of someone else. And one major thing is when you're placing your children with someone, I don't care who it is, Daphne, mm-hmm. put it in writing, put it in a verbal agreement. I mean, it can be binding, but of course with verbal agreements, everyone, everyone has a uh, different um understanding and and, right, and right. it may be mixed up. But once you put something in writing, that can always be uh that can't be misconstrued. And then another additional uh uh thing that I saw that would come that came up through my own issues are, you know, with writing letters and maintaining contact. You know, when you put your child in the custody of someone else a lot of people think, well, I'm not going to write my child. They're not going to understand uh, the letters or they're not going to read it. But those letters maintain contact and communication. Mm-hmm. In the eyes of, of the law in most states, as long as you maintain communication, 
at least once every 30 days, then the state can't come in and take your child. You just have to maintain that communication. In my case, I I saw my daughter almost every day uh, through the videos. I wrote her all the time. And then also sometimes I had visits. But I made sure that I was a present in her life. So once I was released, she knew exactly who uh, who I was. So, right. you know, but with her wasn't even a major issue. It was the transition her back to my custody that uh, more so uh, became the issue. So that's why I would advise anyone that's uh, facing incarceration to make sure you familiarize yourself with your rights. And most states have a circuit court, and I'm not talking about the federal court, I'm talking about the state Mm -hmm. court, that you can go in and just do a simple guardianship packet that as soon as you are released, that your child will go instantly back into your custody. Okay? And it's not as... uh, hard as a lot of people think, and if you uh, end up in prison and you don't anticipate it, one additional thing that I learned that you can do is you can send a letter to your local Department of Human Services and Social Services, CPS, and let them know that uh, you want to get information in regards to uh, what your options will be as far as custody, and they will actually send you the information. Also, a lot of people think that when there is a hearing, if you're in prison, that you don't have a right to be there. You have every right to be there, okay, unless you sign a waiver. So if you find out that there's a hearing and the prison won't take you, you document all of that and you send that certified letter through the prison mail to let them know that you want to be present so you understand what exactly you're signing over as far as your rights are concerned, okay? Now, I had legal joint custody, and the person uh, that my daughter is with had uh, physical custody, which is basically 50-50, okay? I never had any issues when I was in prison as far as making decisions, as far as my daughter was concerned, Uh, even as far as teachers are, are, what teacher would be her teacher. None of that was ever an issue. It only became an issue thereafter, so because... Uh, the other person had physical custody, it made it hard to make any decisions. I mean, basically, almost the last year, I've, I haven't been able to make any decisions as far as my daughter's concerned because that's the residence that she's in, and if I don't have any knowledge of anything, I can't, I can't make a decision. So a lot right. of things have been solely one-sided. But one important thing that I always do is you have to document everything, and you have to make your grievance known to the court um, and to these court-appointed entities. And if you feel that uh, in any way that they're discriminating against you and they're being dismissive, guess what? There's uh, someone that you can report that grievance to and file it. Uh, That's one thing that I learned when I went to trial. I was very uncomfortable about my trial attorney, Judge Rebecca Beach Smith, but I was afraid to speak up because I was like, I don't want to make upset, and I want to lose my bond and end up going to jail and can't be out here with my daughter. So right, when, my right. bond, when my bond was revoked um, after my trial, let me tell you something, Daphne, it was on after then. I was writing everyone, wow. and uh, I filed a grievance against her with the Fourth Circuit in regards to violating my due process and a lot of things that she did to um, jeopardize my trial, and I end up winning. It would have made such a big difference if I had spoken up before trial and not Got waited it. to afterwards because things would have been different. It would have been – I may not have even been uh, convicted because the judge I end up getting from sentencing was actually uh, – which was Judge Raymond Jackson. He was a really good judge. Um, he was fair, he listened, he asked questions, and that was something um, that I needed during trial. So I made a vow at that moment, if I felt that there was an issue and that something wasn't done right, I don't care who it is. I'm going to address it, I'm going to put it in right, and I'm going to make sure there's a resolution. That is awesome. You know, because like you say, a lot of times, you know, things may be done wrong, but then you get so in- intimidated 
and, you know, you're already a nervous wreck anyway trying to process everything and trying to understand what's going on in a system that you really don't understand and you're already trying to interpret what's going on. So you, you try not to rock the boat. So, you know, it is intimidating to file a grievance, you know, against someone. But I'm so glad that, you know, after that, you know, you were able to to be able to be strong to, you know, get the paperwork done that, that you needed to um, to get something handled, you know, and win against her. Because, right. you know, you know, they make mistakes, too. Exactly. And that's a big issue, definitely, that I see a lot of people go through is they always say, I have a bad judge. At the end of the day, no matter whether it's a civil uh, judge or a civil proceeding, uh, criminal or child custody, there are certain rules, which they call canon, that these judges are to abide by. One of the major ones mm -hmm. are they are supposed to treat you in a professional and uh, they're supposed to be professional and respectful towards you, and they're also supposed to listen. So if you walk in and that judge uh, begins to be disrespectful, at that moment, go ahead and file your grievance, okay? If it's a mm -hmm. state case, it would be mm -hmm. with that state Supreme Court. If it's a federal case, it would be with the uh, respective appellate court, which is the circuit court, okay? And you will wow. file a judicial misconduct. And that's mm -hmm. the same even um, with any other entities, whether it's a mediator, uh, whether it's a uh, public defender. Everyone has someone that they report to, and if they display unprofessional behavior or does things that's contrary to the law, you can report them. Because this is the thing. Even sometimes if you lose, if they did it to you, they did it to someone else. So exactly. your complaints are a pattern, okay? So whereas you may not get justice, the person will get justice. And right. it will boomerang back to you as in regards to what your grievance is. And that's mm -hmm. the same as even when you're in prison as far as filing grievances. A lot of people say, well, I don't want to file the grievance. I don't want to make mm -hmm. the case made my mad or I don't want to make uh, my counselor mad. Well, think of it like this. The, the, the deed is already done. So yeah. it's just at this point, if you don't speak up, then what's going to happen? It's going to get worse. So right. go ahead and speak up and address the issue, whether it's for yourself or, uh, you know, whether it's for your children or whatever the situation is, but address uh, the grievance. I've even had to address the grievance a number of times uh, with my child custody case. Uh, even uh, sometimes, even mediators, they get out of hand and say certain things that they shouldn't say. And a lot of people think that you have to buy all these books, simply Google. Mm -hmm. I Google rules, ethics, and procedure of whoever that entity is, okay? And I look to see what their rules and their policies and procedures are, and I hold them to that standard and make them accountable, because one thing I let them know, even while going through my child custody case, I said, no matter what you say, I'm still, I'm still my child's mother. So me asserting my rights are not going to stop me from being her mother. And I demanded respect. And when I said anything, I always followed up with a letter or with an email. So that way, in case somebody's memory gets funny, right. I can bring the documentation. Exactly. So that's one thing um, that's very important. I've had so many women reach out to me and say, you know, I end up, I lost my child or I just got tired of fighting because I was already so beaten down uh, from trial. One thing that I would love to see is a coalition of women that we get together and any time one of us have an issue in regards to custody of our children. And let me just say this. I'm talking about mm -hmm. women that are good mothers uh, that want to take care of their children. You know, there are some instances and sometimes that um, that some uh, women are not in a good place to take care of their children. It's not healthy for the children. But I'm talking about right. good mothers that actually want to take care of their children, whether they made a mistake or not, or whether they ran in hard times, that they did what they had to do to get themselves together. 
I think what right. how successful it would be, Ms. Patterson, if we all got together with similar backgrounds and experience and was a support to show up uh, for our um, sisters that were going through that, whether it was at court yeah. or someone to be a support uh, when going to mediation, being out there waiting from them. Those things are exhausting. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you just don't know what to do. And I've heard some women say, I know what to say, but I don't know but how I, to how to it. put it. Mm-hmm. Right. So to have and, you there. know, even working with um, how I do with um, Second Chance for Real, and you talking right. about the difference, it is so such a difference with female clients and male clients when it comes to filing grievances, even inside the prison, because a lot of times when you talk, to the the gentleman and you ask them, they'll be like, yeah, I filed an eight, I filed a nine, I filed a ten. I'm, I'm way back for my response from this administrative remedy. They have all their ducks in a row. But then on the female side, you know, they'll start the process and then they'll be like, well, they turned me down on my eight, so I just, you know, my counselor wouldn't give me the form for my ten or, you know, it is it, not consistent and persistent. They give up, but those, but the men, you know, it's like, oh, I don't already did that. I, you know, it's like, I, you know, it's the breakdown on the, you know, on the female side. You know, like you said, it's, it's got to be, like you say, just, you know, they just don't know where to go. And, you know, and even talking uh, to them, you know, even on the male side, they do have more resources for it as legal, library, law, it, you know, being taught the law, um, having law classes. You know, uh, they have a lot of that. I know in a lot of the male institutions that they don't have in the female. And I know that's because, you know, technically they weren't prepared to have at one point as many women as they do. But, you know, we women deserve the same rights, you know, as right. the males do. You know, so I don't see why they don't have law libraries, you know. And they'll have the little um, little system that you can pull up stuff, but most of the time, you know, you can't pull up the information that you need. You're just pulling up old court cases, you know, but it's not, you know, it's not what you need, you know. Right, you know, you're just pulling up cases. It's not definitions and and this state what their actual new laws are, or this circuit or that circuit. So I've I've seen a lot of that um, go on in my you know last six months of um, working. So I mean, even in doing that job, I've learned so much about how how the system you know works and right. you know and looking up laws. So I see that disparity right there in itself. Right, and you're correct. And let me tell you something else that I noticed too, uh, Ms. Patterson, when I was incarcerated. A lot of women suffer from trauma, okay, where uh, whether it was abuse when they were growing up, abuse of marriage or abuse of relationship, and it doesn't, uh, like in, in, even in regards to relationships, it doesn't matter whether it was a man or a woman. So they're suffering from that trauma. As a result uh-huh. of their trauma, their fear is still kicks in when there's a situation where they've been mistreated or they know something is not right, but that trauma keeps them from addressing it because their mindset mm-hmm. is, well, it's not going to work out anyway or they're right. not going to do it or they don't care anything about me mm-hmm. either. So one a thing that I think uh, would be so powerful for women, whether they're in the in state prison or federal uh, prison is mentorship to teach these women how to advocate for themselves and then to have a mentor that they can call and have on mm-hmm. calls, whether by email or actually call them and say, hey, this is going on. I don't know how to address mm-hmm. it. Can you help me uh, address it? You think you can help me? This is what I want to say. Can you help me put mm-hmm. it together? And I think um, that that would be beneficial too, as far as women addressing uh, issues with their uh, yeah. Um because there's a big disparity. Women are getting as much uh, time as a man, and a yeah. lot of these 
are not guilty. They're actually taking no. someone else's charge. So mm-hmm. that is something um, that I think uh, should be addressed as well. Yes, yes. And I want to let um, the the listeners out there, if you have um, any comments or questions, only thing you have to do is uh, press 1 to raise your hand, and our producer in the studio will let us know we have callers, and we'll call on you to ask, ask a question. Um, this is my valuable information I know tonight, and I know a lot of people are um, dying, you know, really needing to get this information that's um one reason that uh, I always uh, wait and let the spirit let me know what we need to talk about. So yes. if you do have questions, uh, you know, raise your hand. I don't, I don't just try to get people just because I'm trying to get somebody to fill a slot. Uh, I usually don't know until coming up to what 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 I'm going to be led to, who I'm going to be led to call to ask to be on the show, and um, it's just not to get uh, a spot filled. Uh, Marvin, you got anything you want to chime in on that? I know I got a Marsha and a Marva. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Both intelligent women. My <laughs> uh, strength, um, first and foremost, I was the probate judge in the state of Georgia. So wow. With your experience I understand it, and I would like to say to you, uh, reach out to Daphne and get my number after the show is over. Uh, any help or any assistance I can give you, because that's right in my arena. Probate dealt with not uh, with guardianship, permanent guardianship, uh, temporary guardianship, probates, doubtful claims, incapacitated adults, you name it, I did it. I wore five different hats. So... What you're dealing with, I hope I can be of some help and assistance to you. I'm here yes. for any questions um, to guide you along. I know Georgia's uh, law is a little bit different than Virginia law, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to fighting for what you're trying to fight for and get custody of your child back, uh, if any help or assistance I can give or advice, I'm here for you. And that's something um we go through, and I, and I experience it on different levels with the probate court as a whole. When parents just wanted to transfer their child to another school in another county, and they would have a family member to be like temporarily guardian, saying they live at that residence. One thing that I will always say to them, and I was one of them judges, I would say off the record to protect myself because they always tell you, get your attorney to represent you with this, 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 that, so forth and so on. But a lot of times we don't have the money to afford an attorney. So what I will always say, because once I will explain to the natural parent, if you sign anything relinquishing your rights, over to your sister, your aunt, whomever in the family, or just a good friend. I say, this is, you're saying to this individual, I am no longer the mother, even though I'm the natural born mother. This is the mother of my child. So that's a lot of things. Once I explain it and go more in detail, if it's just a situation trying to get your child over here in this county to go to the school, think about it before you do it. But most times right. they can always come back to the courts and have a dismissive guardianship and pass the child right back over to the natural mother. But then you find some of them, when they are getting extra funds for them or whatever the case may be, even if it's through defects, I've dealt with defects with having to have children go into another family household. Whatever the case was, if they were dealing with alcohol or drug issues and they had to go away to get themselves help, I will always make sure I kept that case open and followed up on it and bring them back into the court system when it was time for that natural mother to be released. And she was had a good job, uh, living quarters, was up to par. Everything was fine to say she was capable and competent enough to have her child back and her or her kids back in her custody and take care of them. So if anything I can help you with, just feel free of anyone that have any questions to that. I'm open. I'm always here to help whomever I can help and give any legal advice that I could give to them. And, Marva, we have a call. Uh, the last four digits are 
We have a call at 1617. And then following that, we have a caller at 8185. So be on deck, 8185. We're starting with 1617 and 8185. Hello, caller. Are you on? Yeah, definitely. 1617, that is my number, too. So I don't know if it's someone else. Oh, okay. Okay, 18. One eight eight five. Are you on the line? Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. How are you this evening? Oh, I'm doing fine. How you ladies doing? We're fine. doing great. I'm just. You have a question for like, us? Uh, yeah, I got a few questions on the custody. Like, uh, like, is it a list? Like, like, if it's a length of time that it takes when you coming coming out of uh jail. In the process of getting your kids back, like, is it a length of time for you to do that or for it to be over with, like? Is that a no, question for me? Oh, uh, Marva, Marsha, who's the question for, sir? I'm sorry. Like, is it a length of time, like, um, did the process take, or is it just, like, it ain't no time limit on how long it might take for you to get your kids back, or is it a time limit in the process of it? Like, I'm just trying to understand. It depends on your state you live in. It depends on your court system. If you went through the court system, have this done. It depends on who you have representing you. Sometimes individuals are doing the paperwork themselves. A lot of times it normally have to run in the paper in the state of Georgia for guardianship four weeks if no one can test against that. Then the next following first Monday of that month at 10 o'clock, that's when we would have our hearings for the state of Georgia. Okay. All right. What, what are some of the main problems that, uh, that that you run across when you're trying to get your kids back after being incarcerated? Uh, it depends on who you release your kids over to. Um, I don't know the full extent of your situation, but, and I don't want to go too deep into your situation over the line unless you go deep with me, then I'll go deep with you. But it just depends on who did you release your kids over to at the time when you had to go away. Okay. All right. But that's pretty much all I have because I'm currently going through the process, but I don't just want to put too much of my uh, business out there. But I understand. I'm, but my situation is dealing with drugs and things of that nature, so. But I do want to be able to get my child back and just, you know, just have those little few questions. And I understand. That's why I explained to you and said I don't want to want you to go too in-depth because I don't want you to put your business out there like that because I'm not that type of person. I do know in the state of Georgia, uh, fathers have just as much rights with their child as the mothers do or the visitation or custody or whatever the case may be. It just depends, but once you can show that you're on a stable job, you're working 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week, however your schedule is for your workforce, and you have decent living quarters for your child, state of Georgia, I know for a fact, normally give the father just as much rights as it is the mother to be able to have their child in their household. And if you could um, send us a message um, on Facebook um, to uh, Incarcerated Mothers Matter um, and just put that, you know, you were a caller, you know, 8185, and put your questions in there, we can get you some answers, you know, confidentially that way too. That way, you know, it'll go directly to you and, you know, it won't be putting your business, you know, on the airwaves like that. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. And uh, will do Tennessee? Would the Tennessee law be pretty much the same as Georgia? I will Google that information, just like Ms. Bar should say, for the state of Tennessee, and find out anything in depth that you don't understand. I could try to explain it to you, or Ms. Marsha can even try to explain it to you. Whomever was, it's open to me. I would do anything that I can to help assist you, or give you an answer to make you understand it better. 
All right. Thank you, ladies. Yeah, if you just um, send us a message um, to through uh, Facebook through the messenger, uh, we can get that in, we can get that information to you. It's, it's no problem to get it to you that way. Yes, ma'am. All right, and thank you so much. No, thank y'all. Do we have any more callers? Like we said, anyone that has a question, you can push um, press um, number one. And our producer will let us know, and we can get you on the line. I tell you, our hour, it goes, like, so quickly because we have such good information on here. Yes. But but don't it's forget, a- you can always go back and listen on our, you know, on our replay. Uh, our replay should go up uh, sometime later tonight, and it will be on Spotify, uh Amazon Music, Apple Music, all the all the platforms. So it goes up a little bit later. So did you want, what else did you have to tell us about Miss Marsha? There's so much that we could talk about. <laughs> I could go on and on uh, when it comes to uh, prison reform. And, I, I, you know, I was listening um Miss Marva, I was just uh, overjoyed because it always makes me feel good when I hear about there are some really good judges that really listen and really has the goal um, to do what the law requires. Because it's not the law that's against um, those that have been uh, formerly incarcerated at all. You know, it's the people sometimes that uh, are put in position to, uh, to actually interpret the law. Sometimes they put in their own personal uh, feelings instead of what the law requires. So with just listening to her, I'm just thinking, like, I wish that all judges were as open-minded as she was and really looked uh, to the goal as far as reuniting, you know, children with their parents. Um, I think all issues as far as pretrial, trial, and those issues are all important, but even if you don't uh, do a lot of prison time or you don't go to prison, just that trauma of even um, going through it and maybe having to place your child somewhere where you just resolve these issues is a lot when uh, the law pretty much puts you, I'm not going to say the law, the people that's appointed uh, to follow the law, when they put you on the microscope and dissect every little decision or every little thing that you say to pretty much as classify you as a person that should not uh, be able to parent your children. I think that the most, one of the most important uh, jobs that I've ever had in my life is to be a mother because yeah. you are in- introducing a little individual to this world and you're giving them a foundation as to how to navigate their life. So when you have certain things that happen, that can deter uh, that journey, I still hold myself responsible as a parent, even while going through this. And my daughter is not with me, but she's in another household. You know, one side of me want to say and do certain things, but the other side always say, you know, I have to show her on how to navigate through difficult situations and how to stand up and be uh, a woman and be a woman of uh, integrity, be professional. You don't have to fight back because people are fighting against you. You don't have to talk bad because they're talking bad against you. And then no matter what someone goes through in their life, don't ever be ashamed of it, okay? It's about, all about how you came through it. So those are things that I hold uh, real dear to me. And even though I still want to do third-party advocating, I realized going through this with my daughter that this is even more um, important. The most hurtful thing that I felt that I experienced was going to prison and leaving uh, my daughter. But I realized that was hurtful, but it's even more hurtful not, you know, to go through that, to get out and not be able to be a mother to my child and have to ask, almost like ask, permission to be a mother or just to ask permission to even uh, make sure she's okay. And one thing that really stuck out to me was when the case was initially filed for the exchange of custody back to me, 
uh, an emergency hearing was held, and the guardian litem wrote a recommendation. You know, this lady spent 30 minutes talking to me, and that was it. And in her recommendation, she said, the mother, Marsha King, does not understand the needs of her child. And I asked her, I said, how did you come up with that assessment? I said, after talking to me for 30 minutes. She said, I never said that. I said, you know, it's not up for debate whether you said it's in writing. But I said, what did you base that on? I said, did you ever think how that would make me feel as a mother for you to say, I don't understand the needs of my child when you've never sat down and spoke to me, and then you go in and tell the judge as if it's true. And I didn't know what to do when I read the recommendation initially. And I had a beautiful lady. Um, I didn't even really know this lady well um, that's in Texas, and she used to uh, do adoptions. And she's very, she's a big advocate um, for children because she lost her mother while she was waiting on her mother to get custody back. And she said, you know, Marsha, make sure you go in and object. You know, they're always not right. So I went in. I said, well, Your Honor, I said, I object to the whole um, entire recommendation. And he said, uh, I said, because she failed to do an adequate investigation. And she, she went up there. She was speechless. She, uh, she said, well, Your Honor, I didn't have but seven days. So I need adequate uh, time to investigate. So I questioned her again to this day, just as recently as last week. I said, you never gave me an answer on why you said that I do not understand my child's needs. And she refused to respond. And that just shows you how biased some of these appointed entities are, that they don't take the time to do an adequate investigation. This lady's been on this case for a year, has never sat down in person and had one conversation with me ever. Okay, so wow. she doesn't know my spirit, my vibe, or anything, but yet this is who the court wants a recommendation from as far as the best interest of my child. And that's why it's important that uh, we have judges like Ms. Marva that uh, actually believe in uh, reuniting children because I'm one of the ones, one of uh, the parents that, you know, uh, a lot of other entities that's not involved in my case, they say, your dream come true. You know, you you shouldn't even be having the problems. However, they get so used to a certain procedure in certain cases, they place us all in the same bowl and our mm -hmm. children. So that's why we need to start speaking up. We need to start teaching um, women to uh, advocate for themselves as well as the men because they get left out um, as right. well. And then right. we need to. Because it broke my heart the other day when I saw your post that you were missing your child so much that you got in your car to drive to go have lunch with her at school yes. because you were missing her so much. I cried. I sat here and actually cried because uh, my heart broke for not only you, but it broke. If you were missing her that much, I know your child was missing you that much. And it yes. should not be that you were without your child and your child was without you. It, right. it broke my heart the other day. And I know you saw my comment on, on, on your post because I actually yeah. sat here and I cried and I prayed, you know, because that shouldn't that shouldn't happen. When there's yeah. so many kids out there that don't even have mothers and and you want your child, you want to be there and nurture your child and they keeping you away from your child and that just is not right. Exactly, exactly. I agree. That's why I'm I'm, I'm admonishing all the women and the men that's listening. If you know, let's start uh, a support group uh, in our uh, prospective cities um, and states. That you know, when one of us are facing a uh, adverse issue such as this, that we actually go there to uh, support each other. I saw a post about Tamika Mallory. Uh, she was talking about the basketball player that's still stuck in Russia, and I think um, mm -hmm. it was another guy that was stuck there that got out, and she said, you know, it's about public support. That is 1,000% right. A lot of people mm -hmm. don't understand that uh, if you put all eyes on um, these government officials and these state officials and let yeah. them know we're watching, 
we can bring mm-hmm. about changes and better changes that children are with if the parents are capable i want to say that and mm-hmm. willing whatever they have to do to uh have their children i think that it's important that children are with their parents and that concludes mother and father and i wow. didn't even get yeah. into how the her father was totally excluded and automatically branded as a deadbeat dad when he's been there um, the entire time, just made a verbal agreement, you know, because she was closest to me to where I was, and he agreed reluctantly. And the guardian life, he had the nerve to put in her recommendation, the father has no weight of what's best for the child. I went to her and I said, based on I said, you haven't done an investigation, so you don't know what part her father is playing in her life. I said, she knows her father, and her father has been there. So, mm-hmm. wow. public support, you guys. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes, I agree with you, Marshall. I agree with you. I really, truly do. Like I said, my heart goes out to you. I was, uh, when I had to take my trip, um, my son was going to Iowa to AmeriCorps, and that was on February the 10th of 2014, and I was having uh, my uh, sentencing day, February the 12th of 2014. And once he finished his basic training, he could not complete it because it was so devastating to know that I was gone. And he was grown. So just imagine uh, your young child and my child yeah. of mm-hmm. 18, 19 years old, but mm-hmm. my heart still ate because my biggest concern, even with him being grown and had finished high school and everything, that I was going to be separated from him. We had never been separated before. Mm-hmm. But once he was released and he did not, once he finished the basic training, he couldn't go any further. He didn't want to stay there any longer. His father, when he came home, which my family was going to, take of my aunt and him, but his father said, that's my son. I'm taking him and bringing him with me. And he went with his dad, and that's where he stayed at until I got out. And he didn't come back to live with me anymore, of course. He'll be 28 in July, but your heart hurts. I don't care what age mm-hmm. they are. When you're separated from your child, a mother is a mother, a mother loves their child. Regardless right. of what age they are, when we go to the, through a situation like we had to deal with, it's very mm-hmm. devastating. It's more devastating than much younger, like yours, Miss Marsha, and mine was 18 years of age and, you know, understood everything that was going on with me, but it hurt me to know that I had to leave him. But my mind said, at least I know he'll be okay until I finish this. And then once he could not finish after the basic training, his dad took him. So we all heard mm-hmm. his mother. Mother the mother and the mother and the father hurt too because when that father wanna step up when the mother is absent, that's another good thing too. Regardless of mm-hmm. even together or not, it's still good to know that they know their father and they have that relationship and I can attest to you, Miss Marsha, on your situation on that half too. Yeah. Well I'm hanging in there. I am. So glad that we were able to come on, and I know we'll end up having a part two with you as well. Most of my guests, we end up having a part two because this is so much, and everybody, you know, we we're just so involved, and we just, you know, we want to help, and you yeah. know, do you know, do what we can, you know, to help people and get the word out there. So, look, I look forward to the part two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, in the future, but I know we have other things that, you know, we have in the works as well that we'll be working on that we'll be bringing to everybody as well. So um, I just appreciate you so much coming on to share your story because I know that a lot of people are dealing with the same situations. A lot of people, you know, in, you know, in my my circles, you know, people I hear, people I interact with every day, you know, so, you know, people are going through the show. Um, You know, I just wanted to get the word out, you know, and also just um, to let you know that 
look, I'm here. I'm praying for you. And then I also wanted Miss Marva to talk to you because I got to hook y'all up so you can have the yes. more backup to help you as yes. well. So, and some other ladies, yes. you know. So, hey, and gentlemen, I don't mean to leave the gentlemen out, but, you know, just yes. like you said, to get that support for everyone going. So, exactly. Um, Keep yeah. each other encouraged through all of this. Yeah. That's the main yeah. thing. Having a passionate wow. heart means more than anything to me. Yeah. And yeah. that's one of the things we have to group up and just keep pushing forward, ladies and mm-hmm. gentlemen. Because it's a task, and it's a, it's a there are moments, it's trying times, but we're going to fight through it to the end, and we're not going to yeah. give up. No, we're not. And I tell you, our hour goes so quickly every week. Um, yeah. It's like by the time we get into it, good, the hour is up. <laughs> it's over. And, and most of the time, the guest asks me, well, how long is going to be? And I'll say an hour. And, it, it, and when I say an hour, even my first time, I was like, oh, how in the world am I going to talk for an hour? And before you know, yes. the hour is up. So, so we thank yes. everyone for uh, listening. Like I say, you can catch the replay. Please like and share. Um, next week, guests, um, just look out for the flyer. Uh, we'll see who we're going to have on next week. And we thank everybody for tuning in and have a blessed night and have a blessed weekend and continue to have unmerited favor and blessings in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Good night. Thank you, ladies. You're welcome. Thank you, Ms. Marshall. Incarcerated Mothers Matter live on Tribe and Family Channel. Hosted by Daphne Patterson. Thank you for tuning in. 515-605-9351 to talk live. When I was pregnant in jail, I thought I was going to have a baby and the baby would never be with me, but I was acquitted a month and three days before Tupac was born. I was real happy. Because I had a son. When I was young, me and my mama had beef. Seventeen years old, kicked out on the street. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place. Spend it from school, scared to go home. I was the fool with the big boys breaking all the rules. Said tears with my baby sister. Over the years, we was bored and another little kid. And even though we had different daddies, the same drama when things went wrong, we blamed mama. I reminisce on the stress I caused. It was hugging on my mama from a jail cell. And who's thinking elementary? Hey, I see the penitentiary one day. Running from the police, that's right. Mama catch me for the whooping to my backside. And even as a queen mama, you always was the black queen mama. I finally understand for a woman it ain't easy trying to raise a man. You always was committed. A poor single mother on welfare. Tell me how you did it. There's no way I can pay you back. But the plan is to show you that I understand. You all appreciate it.
man, I reminisce Cause through the drama, I can always depend on my mama And when it seems that I'm hopeless You say the words that can get me back in focus When I was sick as a little kid To keep me happy, there's no limit to the things you did And all my childhood memories Are full of all the sweet things you did for me And even though I act crazy I gotta thank the Lord that you made me There are no words that can express how I feel You never kept a secret, always stayed real And I appreciate how you raised me And all the extra love that you gave me I wish I could take the pain away If you can make it through the night, there's a brighter day Everything will be alright if you hold on It's a struggle every day, gotta roll on There's no way I could pay you back But my plan is to show you that I understand You all appreciate it Mothers Matter. Gumbo for the Soul Publications wishes to invite your participation in the anthology Incarcerated Mothers Matter 2. Visit GumboForTheSoulInternational.com and send us a message through our contact page or email Incarcerated Mothers Matter 2 at gmail.com. Thank you. Uh, can you tell me a little bit how that process went? Uh, with you all there being able to come home under the CARES Act. Incarcerated Mothers Matter Radio Show. We're online 24-7. You're listening to the hottest for radio station on the planet. Uh, you know, been a while, but um, I know they, you know, offered like the parenting classes and, you know, some other things that, you know, also taught you, you know, how to address different subjects, you know, to the children. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Get inspired Monday and Friday right here on your favorite inspirational show. And don't forget about that Friday praise break. Get inspired through encouraging words, special guests, and the inspirational moment where you, the listener, get a chance to be on air. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.